Hello and welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson, and on this show, I talk to all types of professionals, whether they be corporate stars, business owners, entrepreneurs, about the different types of things that have made them successful in their field so far. Today, my guest is pretty unique. His name is Brian Herney, and he's making a huge splash as a sports recruiter out of Jacksonville, Florida, working with tons of high school kids to help them get offers to colleges and doing it in a really unique way. So tune in to learn a little bit more about that. So we can kind of just get talking, get right into it. Just wanted to say thank you for joining me. Dude, I'm I'm pumped, man. And like, you know, our mutual friend is Andy Varnes with, you know, Varnes Media. And he, I've known you for a little while just because of our tailgate experiences, right? But, yeah. you know, man, he told me that I had to come on this. So I'm really excited to be here with you, brother. It's perfect. I'm really excited as well. And it's perfect, actually, that we met tailgating because it kind of leads into what you do a little bit. You work in sports yourself. Um, and it sounds like you've had some really great success with your company, so tell me a little bit about how you got into that in a minute, just initially, like what led into it? What was uh, kind of the background that you had there? Yeah, man. So company name right now is BH Recruiting Assistance. Um, you know, essentially what I'm doing now is I'm helping high school football players and college football players that are enter the transfer portal or whatever the case may be. I'm doing the best of my abilities to make sure that they're being seen by as many schools as possible. And not only making sure that I'm helping them get as many offers and options as possible, but making sure that I'm helping them navigate through the process and making sure that they're not taking any wrong turns. And that's something that doesn't necessarily get talked enough, talked about enough in this process is for the fact of, you know, you can talk to a certain college coach a certain way and completely rub them the wrong way, right? Like the college coaches, this is their jobs. So they're going to evaluate these players every step of the way, not just with their film, not just with their size, not just with their grades, but their mannerisms, right? What kind of person are you? What's the culture like for this kid? So me making sure that I'm helping them in every avenue that I possibly can is super important. Um, football right now is my specialty. Um, every kid that I have right now is football. I've got over 80 different kids that I'm helping currently. I put over 100 kids in college right now. Um, we are planning on getting baseball started here fairly soon, which is something that I'm excited to talk about as well. I think we have a really good piece to the puzzle where, you know, we have a good game plan here going forward with it, and that's something that's going to be launched here um, hopefully by the new year. So there's a lot of exciting things, but the, the biggest thing about how I got into this industry, um, you know, I always wanted to be an NFL scout. That was always what I wanted to do. Um, football was always my passion. Really, sports in general was always my passion. Like, anytime there was any kind of massive basketball game on, any kind of soccer game, any, whatever it was at the time, I was watching it. And, you know, I knew that football was the, the biggest passion for me. I had a lot of knowledge about it. I always said, you know, hey, like, this is what I would do if I was in that situation. And then I would see head coaches do that or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? And, you know, ultimately I ended up going to UNF, um, uh, University of North Florida, for anyone who doesn't know what UNF is. Um, for sport management and you know it's kind of funny now that I go I go back and look at it and I tell my parents this that if I could do things over again I would have never gone to college because really? you know like yeah man because as far as sports management is concerned don't get me wrong UNF did good things for me I had two professors in particular that really kind of took me under their wing and they tried to introduce me to certain people and whatnot 
But at the same time with what I'm doing right now with me having my own business, it really isn't something that I actually needed. I could have just run with this myself. If I would have known what I knew then, you know, we would have saved a lot of money and, and you know, my uh, student loans wouldn't be nearly as high as they are right yeah. now either, you know. But, you know, as far as getting into everything, you know, I had an intern, a couple different internships with my sport management program. I was an intern for Jacksonville University's football team. Of course, I picked the one university to go to in UNF that doesn't have a football program in Florida. Brilliant, Brian. Um, <laughs> so I had to go across the street to JU, who had a football team at the time. Unfortunately, they don't anymore. They had to cancel their program. But when I was there, got a lot of valuable experience working in their offices in the in the film department. I was at every practice every morning at 5 a.m. It was it was a lot to go with also working a job while making sure that I'm getting all the papers done and everything else that I need to do, right? And the thing about the sport management program is you need two different internships. So the first one was with JU and I made it very clear to myself that I wanted to make sure that I did two different internships because to, you gotta be able to expand the people that you know, you gotta be able to expand your resources in this industry. And the more people that you know, the better. So I decided that I was going to go work with a quarterback training company. And um, I got linked with Coach Walker uh, with DeBartolo Sports. And that's really how all of this got started. Um, we were working with a lot of high-profile quarterbacks that were in the Division One realm, Mac Jones being one of them with the New England Patriots. Wow. Um, and Yeah, because he know, went to Bulls, right? Yeah, he went yeah. to Bulls, and then he ended up going to Alabama, and he worked his tail off at Alabama. Like, dude, his story is so crazy because you don't see it very often now. A lot of guys – they want to take the quick way out if they're not starting immediately. And he, man, he kept working and kept working and kept working. And, you know, he made Nick Saban uh, pissed off enough in his scout team practices that he finally gave Mac a chance and he ran with it, you know, and that's really cool to be able to see. And of course now him being the starter with the Patriots is also incredible. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, like the more that I started working with these kids, you know, me and Coach Walker had the idea, like, I was very knowledgeable about the recruiting side already just because it was always a passion of mine. I was a diehard Gator fan growing up, and I would always want to see, you know, the players that we had coming in because I was a talent evaluator. So I always wanted to see, you know, what kind of players that we had coming in and figure out what the scheme was going to be and just all the little things like that. So Coach Walker put me in charge of helping the quarterbacks with the recruiting process. And, you know, I started to kind of figure things out on my own. Coach Walker helped me in a certain sense, right, just because, you know, it was his company and he kind of led me in a certain direction. But I just started to figure out certain things that were working. I was using Twitter to my advantage a lot, which a lot of college coaches ultimately end up being on. And everything really just started to kind of take over from there. You know, once I got done with my internship, they were trying to find a way to keep me on. They were a very small company, so it wasn't they weren't going to be able to just pay me something full time coming out of college, unfortunately. So they said, you know, Brian, you're going to have to take the leap of faith. And why don't you start your own recruiting service? And I hate I hate the term recruiting services. It gets a, a really bad rap. A lot of people just anytime they hear recruiting service, they roll their eyes and look the other way. But that was the whole point on why I started this in the first place is because it gets such a bad reputation from certain massive corporations that they'll take your money and run. They don't really do anything for you. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing it the right way. I was really making a difference with these quarterbacks. It was a lot that I was doing to really be able to help them. And I wanted to expand on that even more. So I got started with that and, and coach Walker ended up making um, his own company and it ended up being called Walker sports. And coach Walker is now a college coach and he's, you know, he's continuously, he's still one of my best friends. We still talk all the time. Um, 
but that kind of led into everything from there. And, you know, a couple years later, I ended up starting my own business. Um, that was January when I officially started my own business with it. I still had all of my old clients from when I was with the other company and everything is really just kind of taken off from there, man. That's awesome. So essentially, I mean, that, that kind of solves a lot of the learning curve of starting your own business and finding your own clients and everything. It's very cool that they allowed you to kind of keep those old clients and just hop right into your new business. I mean, what better way to start than mitigating a lot of the risk there? What were some of the, uh, the learning curves that you did have starting your own business, though? Talk me through a little bit of like, getting into that because there's a lot to it as I know as a as a business owner as well talk me right. through a little bit of the the learning curve and just the challenges and and you know succeeding factors that you had through that well it was definitely I had been trying to prepare myself for you know a few months beforehand you know I obviously I was watching different business owners doing other things and you know, I watched certain mistakes that were made and I saw things that, you know, I was like, I would definitely do this differently if it was me. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that's been a little bit of a hurdle is the back office stuff, you know, and that's always where, man, I'm great with the kids. I'm great with the parents. I know what I'm talking about. I will, I have great relationships with the college coaches. I will get everything done on that aspect that I need to. But, you know, making sure that I have, you know, the numbers done properly for, for taxes and all the other fun stuff like that is something that is still, it still not, doesn't come to me supernaturally, you know, and it's something that I'm still continuing to work on. And I would say that's probably the biggest learning curve that I've had so far to this point is making sure that I'm handling things the right way so that I'm not screwing myself over later as far as financially is concerned. Um, and making sure that I'm saving properly, you know, being an independent contractor and all the other fun stuff that goes along with it. I would definitely say that that's the biggest hurdle, but I am lucky enough to say that I do have an assistant. Uh, his name is John. Unfortunately, he, I wanted him to come be here with me today, but he's on a bachelor party um, headed to the Bahamas right now. So lucky him. I wish that yeah, was too. Oh, man. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm no, sure exactly, he's so right? broken up about missing this. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. He was like, eh, I'll see it when I get back on yeah. my you know? Um but luckily enough, you know, I have him by my side, which has been incredibly helpful where we can really talk through different things. And he has different ideas for what we should be doing structurally. And, you know, it's, again, it's been something that has been I'm very thankful to have him by my side because he has probably made this process a lot easier for them, for me than if I were to have just completely gone on my own. Um, so he's someone that's been very helpful in that aspect as well. So this things are currently on the right track right now, which is again, really exciting. That's awesome. But yeah, I think there's a lot of value to having someone to help you out, whether that be a partner, assistant, employee or, or whatever. Let's expand on that a little bit. How are, like, what are some of the ways that he's helped you as just being a, an extra hand around the business? Yeah. And you know, I mean, as a business owner, you know that everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, right? Like for me, like my weaknesses is like, I'm not always the best on social media, right? Or like, even though I'm on Twitter all day long. So like Twitter, I, I've got down, like Twitter is, that's where all the kids reach out to me on Twitter. I'm talking to all the college coaches on Twitter. Twitter is the, is the main spot. But as far as Facebook is concerned, Instagram, all that fun stuff, man, it's just not in my wheelhouse, right? And that's something where He's been able to take over in certain situations with that. He's been very helpful with making sure that I'm managing my time properly. And that is like, I cannot express enough how good that he has been for me in that aspect. Like for instance, something that I do with the kids, 
is I make sure that their highlight film is done properly. I make sure that it is absolutely spotless before it goes in front of a college coach because me, when I was with JU, I've seen so many different guys miss out on scholarship opportunities just because their film wasn't done right, right? Like they had, you know, it, where it ended up coming off as unprofessional just because the timing wasn't right on it or there was too much dead time in between or they just didn't have the right plays on. So John is also a high school coach, so he is very familiar with this process to a certain extent. And, you know, he's been very helpful on that aspect with me, making sure that we get all the kids film done in a timely manner. Because at this point, with the amount of kids that I have, if I didn't have him helping me with this, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to get anything done throughout the day. There's just no way. So he's been incredibly helpful on that aspect. Um, we're actually starting a camp series here in January. It's actually going to be held over Bolt High School, or the Bolt School is what they call it, the, one of the bigger private schools here in Jacksonville, and where we've partnered with another company called B3 Better Performance, where we're going to be doing scouting combines, basically. Wow. And where, yeah, and it's something where, you know, these guys work with all different kinds of NFL players, you know, working on their combine, their speed and agility, all these different things. And you know, the recruiting aspect, the recruiting dynamic brought to that, it goes hand in hand because when you go to college camps over the summer, they want to test your 40 time and all these other things. They want to see what your measurables look like. So combining that together, that is something that John has really taken full force. I have a lot of experience with the camp cycle, but I wanted to be able to find an avenue to where I'm going to be able to pay him full time at some point. And that is something that he has really taken the bull by the horns and he has done a great job with it so far to this point. We've still got a long way to go with it, but you know, he's been very involved with making sure that he's helping with the sponsorships and all the other little things that go into this that really have a chance to make this special. So there's a lot of different things that he will do on my end. Um, He also has been reaching out to kids. He's trying to get a little bit more into the, the sales side, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, like business you know, development. Talk to the kids a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of different things that he has his hand in. And anytime that I have a tough decision that I need to make or a tough conversation that I have to make, he's the first one I'm calling, you know, That's awesome. because he understands what I'm doing. He He's very much in the loop on what my day-to-day process looks like. So he's always my go-to guy, which has been, again, it's, it's very, very helpful to have that person by your side just to even – you know, even if he might not make a significant difference in what he's saying, just having the conversation and getting it out of your mouth and talking it through can sometimes just open up different doors that your brain wouldn't have thought of if you were just sitting there trying to think of it yourself. So, yeah, he's been phenomenal so far, and I'm very appreciative that he's by my side with it. No, that's so awesome. So a lot of things that we went over there, a couple things that stuck out is – you talked a lot about making sure that players have their highlight reels done correctly. Could you talk a little bit about, I guess, just some tips around that or what you see done wrong, how you try to kind of close that gap and, and do it correctly? Yeah, of course. So, like, I mean, as far as the process of it, um, if we're starting at the beginning of the season, let's say that we're starting week one, okay, I want the kids, we have a little bit of a mixed bag to it where I give them a little bit of responsibility because it is their film, right? You still want them to be able to make sure that they're handling what they need to on their end. It's going to help them grow up. It's going to help them, you know, get a little bit more mature with the things that they need to do too. So ultimately what happens is I have them go in and they, they basically they'll star their plays for me. They'll pick the plays for me and circle themselves before the snap just because it makes my life a lot easier. Um, And once they do that part for me, once they get their film done on their side where they just pick the plays, that's where I handle the rest from there. So something that, like, for me, it's really important on my end just because I know exactly what the college coaches are looking for, right? So 
for me, maximizing the kid's talent and also their potential as much as possible while minimizing their weaknesses as well while making it look professional. And that's the thing, the key word there is professional just because they're essentially they're applying for a job, right? It's it, This is their resume. The film is the resume. If the coaches don't like what they see on their film, they're moving on with the snap their finger and they're not looking back. They're marking down their database on what they see and they're not going to think twice about what that kid's name was, right? So yeah. As far as making sure that it looks the way that the kids need to make it look, obviously, like, let's say I'll use quarterback, for example, just because I know quarterback is always kind of the hot topic, right? So, you know, quarterbacks need to make sure that they're not having plays on their highlight that make them look inferior. I guess is probably a, be- a really good way that you want to say it. You want to be able to add a multitude of different throws that you want to be able to have. But something for quarterbacks, for instance, that's super important at the college level right now is ball placement, right? Like you can have a rocket ship for an arm, but if you're throwing it three yards behind your receiver, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? So you need to be able to hit your receivers in stride. You need to be able to make you know, throws down the field. You also want to be able to show that you can make quick passes too, right? You've got to have a little bit of a multitude of everything that you're putting together so you can show the different things that you do, right? If you have the first seven clips on your highlight are all, you know, go routes, which, you know, throwing at 50 yards downfield okay that's great but you're not showing coaches the extent of what you can do and college coaches can get impatient very quickly they just it's just like everyone else man you know you only have so much time in the day to get everything done that you need to so getting the variety of what needs to be done and making sure that the timing is done proper making sure that you have the proper information at the start making sure that you have your name position the number make sure you have your height and weight and making sure that you have it accurately because honestly, like you could have a situation where if a quarterback is six one, and he's saying that he's six foot three, now the college coach sees him in person, realizes he's not six foot three. Okay, well now you just ruined your chance with that school. You might not have if you just said that you were six one, but now they're not going to be able to trust you because you said that you were six three, right? If you're lying about your height, what else are you lying about, right? And that's where the trust factor is a massive thing. And again, when the coaches are trying to build culture. That's something that's super important. So ultimately, when it comes down to it, you want to be able to make sure that you're being accurate with all that stuff, right? You want to have the proper GPA, you know, your test scores, all of that other fun stuff, and then making sure that the timing is cut up in a proper manner. So, for instance, once that play is over, once your throw is over, you're on to the next play, right? We don't want 15 seconds, 20 seconds of dead time in between it because, again, the college coaches are impatient. You know, they don't want to sit there waiting and waiting and waiting for the next thing to come man, they're going to get impatient and move on to the next guy, especially if it's not popping off the screen the way that they need to, right? It's one thing if they see that first couple plays and they're like, you know, they're, they're getting ready to jump out of their seat. That's a different thing. You might have a little bit more leeway with that, but it's very rare that coaches end up seeing stuff like that, you know? So we want to give coaches every excuse, or we don't want to give coaches any excuses to basically jump off of what they're seeing, right? You want to be able to make sure that they're staying engaged because the longer that they're watching, the better chance that you have. Yeah, just kind of principles of really good content creation, it sounds like. And then also just Mm -hmm. showing it how it is. Um, I liked that point about, you know, I guess there would be a temptation there if it's it's a highlight reel that you're making to just show all your best stuff. But I liked that point about showing the range because that is so important. Uh, Another thing I wanted to cover is I was actually a little surprised. I'm just not a big Twitter guy myself. So I was a little surprised that that's kind of the main channel, um, just because I, I guess I don't know a ton about it. Surprised a little bit that that's kind of the main channel you use. I would love to get into that and what that looks like. And then um, also definitely want to get your thoughts on everything going on with Twitter right now, because I'm sure that's factoring into what you think about day to day. 
Dude, I'm sure you. Ner- it was a couple of days ago. It was pretty nerve wracking when when everyone was talking about how Twitter's going to shut down and yeah, uh, dude, my heart dropped out of my chest, man, because yeah. that's my Twitter's everything for me. Um, Twitter is how I got started with this. Twitter is a massive, massive database for not only the college coaches, every college coach is on Twitter. The the older generation coaches, where if they're in their 50s and 60s. They might have a little bit of a harder time adjusting to it, but all the young up-and-coming coaches, that is their database. That is where they connect with certain people. I have certain college coaches that I talk to. We don't. I don't have their number. We just direct message multiple days a week, and once they see my name pop up, they will respond, right? And it's just because you've been able to build that relationship with them. It's just like anything else, right? If you see someone on your phone that you, you ultimately want to talk to, you're going to end up responding to them, right? It kind of ends up being the same thing. But no, as mean, as far as Twitter is concerned, that's where not only where all the college coaches are, but it's really where all my business is. Um, you know, wow. as of right now, other than Twitter, it's really just Twitter and word of mouth right now. And we're starting to get Instagram and Facebook going. And honestly, that's something where, you know, I'm going to be working pretty closely with Varnes Media here in, in the near future where he's going to be helping me with a lot of this stuff, too. Um, shout out to my boy, Andy. Yeah. But as far as all of this is concerned. I have a lot of kids that are consistently reaching out to me on Twitter where we start to have these conversations and, you know, certain certain kids will just follow me on Twitter and, you know, I might not know about the kid, but, you know, I see the kid's profile picture and I'm like, dang, okay, you know, he looks like he's like 6'3", 220 pound defensive end and I'm, you know, oh, wow, he's a sophomore. Okay, well, then I'm going to go in and I'm going to watch his film and, you know, if something ends up popping off the screen, I will reach out to the kids, right? And that's something where... You know, it's starting to get to the point now where I'm getting so many referrals to me. I'm getting so many people reach out to me. I don't normally reach out to kids very often anymore unless I see something that is just like, dude, that is freaking wild that you don't have anything going for you right now. I know that I can help you. Like, we need to get on the phone ASAP, right? And normally right now, because I'm helping so many different high schools, particularly in Jacksonville, that once I reach out to certain kids, someone has already probably told them about me or whatever the case may be. Um, So it is something that Twitter is... Twitter is everything right now, and it's something that I would love it to take. You know, that's the reason why I'm going to be working with Andy here more soon on this is because I want to be able to, yep, (laughs) I want to be able to take a little bit of pressure off of that just in case, you know, with all the stuff that is going on with it. And also just for the fact that there are more avenues that you can be able to get business from. But it's been so successful that I I haven't even needed to right now, you know, which is, again, it's so exciting that there's so many other avenues that, I can go down that I haven't even really fully explored to the best of my abilities yet just because Twitter has been so great to me and the fact that it is a free app is just absolutely insane. Oh yeah. I know it's just it's like you know when I'm posting about the kids you know college coaches will like it they'll follow the kids from it you know there I mean there's there's so many different avenues that you can go down with it with making sure that the kids are being seen properly and making sure that the kids are using it to their advantage rather than using it as, you know, something that's also really hurting them too, right? Which is another part of social media that can be, you know, it can be scary at times, right? You're gonna, you can post something that can, you know, completely ruin your life at the same time, you know, just even if you didn't even know what you were posting with these kids, right? The kids don't understand that, right? So making sure that the kids are educated on it and they're using it to their advantage, that's another big thing that I do to be able to help them navigate through the process is to make sure that when they are posting on Twitter, you know, let's say, for instance, I've got a um, the last text messages I just had is a kicker that I'm helping right now over at University Christian, right? Like, so if he's making a kicking video for the kicking trainer that he goes with, he'll send me the video, 
and I will let him know immediately, like, hey, like this is something that I think, you know, based off the trajectory of the ball or whatever, the, the hang time, whatever the case may be, that this is something that a college coach is really going to like, right? I think that you should post this. Or, for instance, if it's something that I don't think that is ultimately going to benefit him if he just didn't have a good day, we're not going to post it, right? There's no point in putting this in front of the college coach if it's going to hurt you. You know, so making sure that everything is well-rounded and in the right mindset, I want the kids to be able to talk to me about it as much as they can. Not all the kids do, you know, the way the kids are. They, they, they don't listen to their, to their parents half the time, let alone listen to me, right? But then they end up finding out pretty quickly, like, oh, dang, I probably should have listened to Brian on that. I shouldn't have posted the fact that I ran a, a 40 time that was way slower than it, than it should be, even though Brian told me not to post it. I did anyways, and now it's affecting me, right? So there's a lot of different avenues to go with this and making sure that we're – continuously expressing the way that things should be done is incredibly incredibly important during the evaluation process so there's a lot that goes into the twitter side not only just for the kids but again essentially as far as the business structure is concerned twitter is everything man i'm on twitter all day long what do you think it is about twitter that draws the college coaches more than any other platforms you know that's a good question man i don't i think it's more for the fact of you know I think there's it's easy to use. Um, I do think it's something that I don't necessarily know how it got started. That's a pretty good question, dude, because it's it ended up being in a situation where when I got started with this, all the college coaches were on Twitter. So I don't necessarily know how it specifically got to that point. But, you know, a lot of the college coaches have Instagrams, too. But I think the way that things are shared on certain timelines and the fact that, you know, the way that URLs can be set up through Instagram compared to Twitter, I think that also could have something to do with it. Um, this might be more Andy's expertise more than anything, but I don't know, man. That's honestly a really good question. But I, Twitter is – if there's a college coach that doesn't have a Twitter, like he's someone who's still living in the Stone Age. Um, but other than that, I mean, 95% of these coaches, you can find them on Twitter at some point. I guess it's been around longer than Instagram, too. It's probably just kind of that an early true. adoption. They probably all got on pretty immediately once they saw just the power of it and the connectivity of it. And it's, I guess it's a little bit better than Facebook in the sense that it's, I, I don't know, it's, there's something about it that it's just, it tends to be a little more conducive to just sharing your thoughts right. and everything a little bit more in a little bit more organized way, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that's a good call for it, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, but, I, I mean, honestly, the, the, the structure of Twitter, even when I'm not working, I'm on Twitter over Instagram and Facebook and everything like that, man. It's just like Twitter is just a good time. I just hope that uh, hope it doesn't get ruined. What do you – so let's get into that a little bit. What do you think about that whole thing? What do you think about the acquisition by Elon Musk and the, the direction that he's taking it? Well, you know, it always – Anytime that there's a good thing going and there's going to be changes that are made, I tend to be more on the conservative side of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just for the fact of I love the way that things are going yeah. right now. We don't, we, there's nothing that necessarily needs to be changed with Twitter because Twitter is such a massive avenue for me. Yeah. So ultimately, right now, I mean, honestly, I think that he probably is making some mistakes. Um, but at the same time, I do think I understand what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to recreate the culture. I think that he's trying to make sure that, you know, there's no scandalous crap that's going on, right? I think he's trying to make sure that it's done his way. And, you know, things being done his way has worked for other companies that he has. So, you know, him getting some time to do this the way that he needs to, you know, it's going to have to happen that way as of right now. 
I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, I feel like, every other week because he keeps firing more people. And, you know, there could be tech issues at any time where Twitter can get shut down. And it's like, you know, it certainly makes my shoulders tense up a little bit and makes me sleep a little less at night. But at the same time, you know, I I think everything will end up being taken care of fine. I don't think it's going to end up being something where, you know, Twitter gets absolutely shattered and it ends up being a complete disaster. Um, I think he just needs a little bit of time with it. Yeah, I'm he's got. What's your What's your take on it, dude? I have a similar take. I mean, I, I don't use it a ton, so I I guess it doesn't. I, I don't have the personal attachment as much, so I'm I'm not suffering right. from the stress of it as much. Um, but I I would say, I mean, he's got a great track record with everything he's done. He's a, a right. really innovative thinker. I think um, I I'm curious to. Well, so that's my main take is just I, I think you will figure it out like you were saying I'm kind of curious to hear what your take is as someone who's on it every day and really in the trenches with it and has been for a while you said that you think he's he's kind of trying to fix the culture and everything that's what I, that that's what uh, I've observed as well kind of seeing what's going on are, are there anything um, any things that stand out to you in your particular niche and industry or just in Twitter at large that you do think are problematic about the culture that you would like to see fixed? That's a good question. One thing that, uh, one thing that can be, so this is more for the kids than anything. And it's almost not even necessarily towards my industry. It's more for the certain things that kids will see on Twitter that, they'll like or they'll retweet that they don't even realize that it's having an effect on the way that they're being recruited because they like something that it's got 15 cuss words in it and it's talking about god i almost feel uncomfortable saying it on camera but just like whether it's like something sexual or just whatever the case may be that will college coaches will see that kids are liking and retweeting this stuff and they're just like all right, you're off our board. You may have all the talent in the world, but there's plenty of other guys here that are, you know, 6'3", 300-pound offensive linemen that we can figure it out that we know are going to be a little bit more careful about what they're doing, right? Because if you're not being conscious of what you're doing now, again, what makes them think that you're going to be able to do it then? So there's a lot of things like that where it's not necessarily as much on the football side. I think the structure of the way that they have it is almost perfect. There's not really a whole lot that I have to complain about. I think that, you know, the fact that you can tag certain coaches and certain things, and there's a lot of different, you know, as far as the privacy settings are concerned, I think that that's fine as well. It's more on my end for the fact that I just wish kids would have a little bit more of an understanding of what they're putting on their feeds, even though I try to tell them this stuff as much as I can. But I wish that there was just a way where maybe we weren't getting as much of that stuff on people's timelines. Um, but also at the same time, this is a free networking spot. This isn't something where you're paying for for more of a businessy approach. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag with it, right? Because Twitter is such an entertainment spot to go to. So I do understand it from that perspective. But just for me, just because I've seen kids that have ended up missing out on stuff just because of stupid things that they post. And they just don't have an understanding, even though... They won't have an understanding until they make one too many mistakes, even because, you know, they'll I'll tell them like, hey, you need to stop retweeting stuff like this. But they'll be like, hasn't affected me yet. And then they realize when we get a little bit farther down the line, like, OK, yeah, it's it's affected you more than you think that it has, buddy. Or like I've gotten texts from college coaches that say like, hey, man, we're taking this kid off of our board. He's really got to stop posting stuff like this or whatever the case may be. And that's very that's where things can get frustrating on my end. That's something that I wish that there was a way that we could change it. But at the same time, I don't think that there is just because Twitter is so 
um, it, Twitter is a free world, man. You know, yeah. people can say whatever they want, and and you know, it's so it's it's a that's a it's a tough question because of course there are little things like that that I wish could be changed, but. I know that they won't and there's no reason for Twitter to be able to change it too because a lot of times that's what a lot of, you know, adults or people that are, you know, in California that are on Twitter all day long are retweeting all the time and the kids just happen to see it. They like it retweeted too and they don't realize what they're doing to themselves. Yeah, I guess that comes down more to just working with the kids themselves and and the way that they interact with and use it. I'm curious how early do you typically end up working with these kids? Like how how early on in their uh career process so every kid is different i have i have certain kids right now i've got one at university christian who's got 17 division one offers right now who i got started with him as a freshman because he had he had fantastic film as a freshman he had 11 sat i mean 11 interceptions playing defensive back and then his sophomore year he ended up um being the the lead running back to go to a state title game and like he's every kid's timeline is going to be different with the way that they need to be recruited, right? Like the kids that are more in the division one, um, you know, bigger FBS programs, those kids, I mean, it could start as soon as freshman year. Some, some like I saw Alabama offered some kid that was in eighth grade recently. Like, you know, you never know when recruitments are going to start for certain kids just because everyone's growth development is going to be different. And then I have some kids that, you know, are just getting signed up with me now that their senior season is over. And I always say the sooner that I can get started working with kids, the better situation that they're going to be in, because a lot of times the college coaches are ahead of the game, too. They want to get started with things as soon as they can, especially if we're talking about higher tier schools. So the sooner that I can start putting them in front of these coaches, the more comfortable that they're going to feel to ultimately offer them when all is said and done. Right. So every kid's different. I've got certain kids that the recruitment's you know, they're not calling me right now because they're not going to be division one kids. Right. But they still want to play college football and have a chance. And, you know, the recruitments really are getting started for a lot of the division two, division three, NAIA programs, like all these schools that they're lower tier schools, they still play good football and they, you know, they can still find ways to be able to pay for your school as much as you possibly can, which is ultimately the most important thing. Yeah. Um, but ultimately every kid's going to be a little bit different with it. I have, a pretty good handful. I'd say probably out of the 80 kids that I have right now, almost 20 of them probably are underclassmen um, that we've just been able to get started early on where some of them have division one offers right now early. Some of them are going to end up getting them more towards the spring. Um, once the the evaluation cycle really starts to pick up where the college coaches get on the road and me doing all the back office stuff now to where making sure that they have everything that they need when they come to see the kid up close boom, they're going to get the offers that they need then, right? So every kid's going to be a little bit different with it. Um, and hopefully that kind of answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. Bit, yeah, it's, it's, a broad, it's a broad sense. And there's, there's the, the misconception that a lot of kids don't even realize sometimes that how many smaller schools that there are that, that you can still be seen by and you can have options that, you know, okay, maybe it's not playing the highest level of football, right? But you could be going to a campus lifestyle that is, you know, that might be beautiful and you still get to play the the sport that you love too, you know? So there's a lot of different angles that go along with it. Um, but to answer the question, it really does depend on the kid. You know, if I have a, a quarterback that's six foot five as a freshman and he's slinging it all over the yard at one of the prominent schools, like let's say I'll use Bulls for, for example, okay, we're probably going to get started pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you're putting good film out there as a freshman and you have the size to go along and the athleticism to go along with it. 
okay, well, we're going to get going. Like, I've got a, a quarterback right now who's class of 25, who, um, so he's a sophomore. Um, and he, he doesn't have a ton of film yet, but he has all the athletic attributes. You know, he's six foot three, he's 190 pounds as a sophomore, throws an 88 mile an hour fastball for baseball. So there are different angles that we can consistently use to be able to get kids recruited, even if they're not necessarily, they don't have the film yet, but I can at least make sure that I'm getting coaches on kids radar if they have certain pieces of the puzzle. Right. And ultimately the film is going to, what is what's going to get them offered, of course. but we can get started early enough to where if there are pieces that we can use to our advantage, then we will use them, right? Just to be able to show that there are athletic attributes or whatever the case may be. And again, hopefully that makes sense too. Absolutely. And then um, I guess I'd like to switch gears a little bit to the coach side. What are some ways that you have been able to kind of curate relationships with the college coaches and keep that up? Keep, I guess like you kind of have to keep your business on their radar as well because you're kind of bridging that gap in many cases. How have you been able to curate those relationships? You know, luckily I've been fortunate enough that just because I've been watching football my entire life, just because I have a good knowledge of it, that the coaches have started to figure out that the guys that I'm putting in front of them are guys that they are worth evaluating too, right? And that's where it comes back to the way that I handle things with the kids and the parents. I am incredibly honest. And I think that is the reason why I'm at the point that I am right now is that I'm not this Johnny salesman that's just trying to tell you what you want to hear. I will tell kids, like I've been on the phone with certain parents that are like, hey, you got any connections at Alabama? Say, like, yeah, but I'm like, your kid's not going to Alabama. If, if, if I put you in front of Nick Saban, uh, that's college coach calling me right now, actually. Um, if I end up being in a situation where I'm putting a certain kid in front of a coach that is just, I know that they're not going to offer this kid, right? Nor are they even going to pay attention to this kid. If I start doing that too often, coaches are going to write me off real quick. They're going to stop answering my text messages. They want reliable information because just like anybody else, there's no, there's so much time in the day, right? So you want to be able to get yourself in a situation where you're, making the college coaches feel comfortable with what you're sending them to. It's all about relationships. Everything in this industry is about relationships. So when I'm talking to these guys, you need to make sure that you have your P's and Q's together, you know, make sure that your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, right? Make sure that you have not only just you're making sure you're putting the right kids in front of them, but making sure that you're also have all the proper information for them as well. So for instance, like when I have a college coach call me and say, Hey Brian, can you tell me a little bit more about this kid? I'm not sitting there like, Oh, um, uh, coach, uh, you know, you know, um, hold on, let me look back in my notes or whatever, right? Like you've got to be able to make sure that you have everything that you need and you need to be able to have it fast. The more confident that you are with what you're telling the coaches about a certain kid, the better that they're going to feel too. So that's why like when I'm talking to all these kids, I always tell them communication is so important for me. I want to know as much as I possibly can, because the more that you're telling me, the easier the sales pitch it is to the college coach, right? So ultimately the biggest thing, man, Reaching out to the coaches is obviously something that that has really gone a long way with me. I'm not afraid to put my neck on the line for a certain kid if I really believe that they are a certain level of school, right? And, you know, it also truly helps me, which this is something that's ultimately very different than every other, you know, recruiting service that's out there, is that I'm associated with high school programs, right? So, like, for instance, I am the actual recruiting coordinator for Middleburg High School in Clay County, as well as me, you know, I'm very closely associated with a lot of other schools that are in the program as well. 
where the college coaches know that I'm associated with these programs and they know how much that I'm talking to all of these other kids because of it. So they come to me for a lot of information. Sometimes coaches will text me like, hey, do you have any information on so-and-so, even if I don't have information on a certain kid, just because they know how wide my net is, especially in the Jacksonville area, let alone other other parts of the country as well that I'm helping kids in too. So it's something that is, it takes time, you know, and that's where, you know, as far as, other avenues with trying to build the baseball side and, you know, trying to get John going a little bit more on this side, it really takes a lot of patience. And that is what, that's the reason why I'm where I am right now is because I've been patient with everything that I've done. I've tried to make sure that I'm doing everything the right way with the right timing. And, you know, it's basically, it's all the same thing with the college coaches too. You just got to be able to make sure that you're feeding them the right information to where they have what they need. And if they don't like a kid, that's going to be, it is what it is. You're going to get more no's in this process than you get yeses, but making sure that they have all the information that they need is super pivotal. um, And that ultimately gets them to come back for asking more questions. Sounds like being very objective is key as well in this, just really understanding what you're looking at and being able to correctly identify it and relay that message the right way. Coaches know who's, who's, you know, for lack of a better word, bullcrapping you, right? Like they know coaches that are like, okay, this kid's just trying to, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't really know what he's talking about. He's just, he's just trying to talk to me, right? Like that happens a lot in this industry. It, it really does. Like, you know, like I said, like Alabama will stop at certain schools and certain coaches will try and sell them on, you know, little five, seven Johnny that looks like me, right? Like that's just not the way that this process works. You have to have a certain understanding of what certain coaches are looking for. And that also comes back to how much college football that I watch, knowing that like, for instance, the quarterback coach at Toledo is is someone that's I've gotten very very close with, which they're in the MAC conference, Group Five conference, and I know the way that their offense is. I know what the quarterback coach is looking for in a quarterback, and I sent him a quarterback out of the transfer portal last year that I was like, you know, coach, I think that this kid is a perfect fit for what you guys want to do. He's you know he's got a strong arm. He knows how to maneuver the pocket really well. All the little things that go into it like that, and it got him in for a tryout. And the rest is history, right? And those those are the kind of things where the more information that you have and the better relationships that you end up starting to build with these coaches where you really know what their types are and what they're looking for, again, goes such a long way. Awesome. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about is we had discussed off air a little bit about how it's very important to you that your business is building in the right direction. I wanted to talk about that a little bit, and that kind of ties into what you were saying about how you're very patient and strategic about the way you do everything. I wanted to talk about what that means to you a little bit, just building in the right direction with your business. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, I think just like everyone that has a, a business or someone that's in charge of anything, they, especially when they're starting it up, they're going to question themselves at times. Right. And there's going to be times where you're like, God, you know, this was a pretty slow month. Like, am I really doing this the right way that I need to, or whatever the case may be. And you end up being in a spot where it's, it can be it can be stressful to think about. It, it, I mean, it can be really be t- it can really be tough in general. And for me, I've been very integral with making sure that I'm not pushing things too quickly and not growing too fast. And that's something that me and Andy talk about this all the time. Because if you end up growing at a rapid rate just because you're trying to get as many people as you can okay, well, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be swimming and you're not going to do the job properly. That's when people are going to start bad-mouthing you around town, and especially in the sports industry. If, if multiple people start, start bad-mouthing you, man, you're in trouble. 
Um, yeah. And so making sure that, like, for instance, that's where my honesty comes in, right? And when I'm talking to people, you know, just like what I mentioned before, if, if, if you know, Johnny whatever is talking about, hey, can you put me in front of Alabama? I'm going to have to have that conversation. And maybe they decide not to sign up with me at that point, but that's okay. Because if I can't do what they're asking me to do, I'm not going to have them sign up just to do it, right? So making sure that, you know, for instance, like right now on the baseball side, um, I've been hoping for a while that I've been able to branch out to do another sport, but I was never going to do it if I didn't have the right person in place to do it, right? Or if I felt like the guy didn't have the right connections or the right structure with his home life and structure with the fact of what he's doing for his other job, right? Because that's the thing about, you know, startup, whether that's with football or baseball or whatever sport it is, you got to start from scratch. So for him, like, luckily I'll be able to send him because I know so many people in the area that I could still send baseball people to him, but you are going to be starting basically not making a whole lot because this is commission based. So you got to be able to make sure that you have the right people that you know are going to be patient, that you know, trust you, that you trust them. It's got to be all the way around. And that's, again, kind of my thing with with John, too. I trust John with everything. And that is something where trust is hard for me. I'm, I'm you know, I think that's that's most people, man, you get you know, you can get stabbed in the back one too many times and you're going to have a hard time trusting people anyways. And, you know, that's something that really takes a while for me to be able to develop. And you've really got to be able to prove yourself to me to be able to get to that point. And, you know, luckily enough, starting to find the right people that I think are going to put that in the right direction. Because if you start it too soon, when things are not ready, or if you don't have the right people in place for it, well, now your reputation gets ruined on that side of it. And you'll never be able to recover from it, you know, because I mean, it's something that if you get your name out there too soon, and you start making a lot of mistakes, it takes years to come back from stuff like that, especially, you know, in this kind of industry. So that's really the biggest thing for it, man, is, is just making sure that we're doing this at the right time, um, making sure that we're doing it in a timely manner and making sure that we're, again, hiring the right people. That is, I cannot express that enough, is the people that you have around you is what ends up driving you in the right direction. And that's something where I'm very, very afraid to bring the wrong people on board that is going to hurt what has been built to this point because I am protective over it, right? It's my livelihood. So making sure that I have the right people by my side that I know are going to really push this in the proper direction, that have the proper personality for it, that are in this for the right reasons is going to end up going a long way with this in general, which is a little bit different than most businesses. I, you know, a lot of businesses, you know, whether they're selling certain product or whatever the case may be, and they end up growing insanely fast that they just need all hands on deck, right? It's a little bit different for what I'm doing because I'm just more, I have clients, right? It's almost like if you're thinking of it from like a lawyer's perspective, right? Like you're going to do as much as you possibly can with what you have. And then essentially you start to be able to add the pieces around you, whether, you know, it's another lawyer that you have right next to you or whatever, you know, I think you probably get where I'm going with this, right? But just making sure that you have the right people and that you're doing it in a timely manner. Yeah. And like you said, it's very relationship based. So whenever you do add someone, it's incredibly important that they align with the values that you have as a company and as, as an owner, because it's been successful for you so far and that's for a reason. So they need to be kind of fitting with that, that vision and that mission. I would think, what are some qualities that you look for if you're going to hire someone? Um, first of all, knowledgeable, smart, right. Um, making sure that they understand what I'm putting in front of them, because there is a lot that you have to diagnose in this process. Um, and making sure that there's a real love for the kids 
Um, that is something that does not get talked about enough. I love what I do, right? And it's something where, you know, I've talked to certain college coaches about, hey, like, Brian, I'd love to get you on my staff at some point when that time comes. Like, I don't know if I'll do it, you know, because like I've always had that aspiration. But at the same time, I love what I'm doing so much. I think I'm making an impact on a lot of different people, a lot of different kids. And I love the relationships that I build with these families and these kids where it doesn't feel like work for me. And that's the key thing for me is that you want to enjoy this. You don't I don't want people showing up to this that are like, do I have to go to this today or do I have to talk to this person? Like, of course, you're always going to talk to certain people that are not going to be as fun to talk to as others. Right. But you've got to be able to want to do this and to be able to really do this job the right way. The more love that you have, not only just for the game, but making sure the aspect of really being passionate about what you're talking to about the college coaches. Um, there's a certain personality that it definitely takes to be able to do this the right way. But again, also having knowledge of the sport and also just having a mindset and a plan. And also, again, I cannot reiterate this enough, having patience because I've seen so many people that they won't see progress for two or three weeks and they're moving on to the next thing just because they don't have they, they can't just sit down and, and, and push for what they're doing. Nothing is built overnight. So it's a combination of things, you know, and that's why I think I've been so picky because I've had interviews with, with other interns or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And a lot of people are like, great, like give me the free hands, right? Well, it's not that easy for me because there's not anything that I'm just going to give them if I don't think that they know what they're doing, you know, or if I can't trust them with what they're doing. That's the kind of... You know, I don't want to call myself a micromanager because I do think if there is the right person in place, like I don't I don't micromanage John. Right. Because I trust John. I know John is going to get things done that he needs to get done in most of the areas that he's getting it done in. Right. But if it's a certain situation where if I have to micromanage someone, that's more time out of my day that's taken out that I have to baby this guy rather than getting everything done that I really need to with all the clients that I'm helping consistently. Right. So, you know, that's really where it comes full circle for me. Yeah, I think you need to bring people on that are self-sufficient, right? right? You, The whole point of hiring someone or bringing someone on is that they're making your life easier yeah. or like the activities that need doing done in the business easier and taking them off your plate and not replicating yeah, and efforts. Just being proactive too, you know, like just like, of course, I want you to ask questions. If you're not 100% sure on something, ask me because I would much rather you ask me a thousand questions rather than you just do something just because you thought it might be the right way. You might have questioned it, but you did it anyways, and now we're in a screwed situation, right? Ask me the questions. But at the same time, I want you to, once you know the answer to the question, I want you to start being proactive. I don't want to have to tell you 10 different times that you need to do something, right? Like make my life easier too, and I will make sure that you get paid more, right? Like that's that's ultimately the way that goes, and we will push yeah. Like I will always take care of my guys as long as I know that I can trust them with what they're doing too, right? So it ends up working both ways. Makes total sense. Now, another thing I really wanted to get into is uh, the subject of a lot of discussion the last few years. I wanted to talk about the NIL a little bit and the impact that that's had on what you do, how you think about what you do, and and kind of the day-to-day. Uh, I guess the best way to start with it is, could you kind of from your perspective and your background being in the industry, give a little bit of background on what happened with NIL and, and what that's been like the, fa- the past couple of years? So NIL has turned college football into a frenzy. Um, and it is 
Some is for the better um, because the, these kids, they work their tails off and it is, it is a full-time job with what they're doing. And a lot of people will say, well, he's getting a full scholarship and you know, you should see what my student loans look like. And that is valid, but these kids, they're not getting a salary for being there. They don't have a whole lot that they can just pay for when they're there, especially unless you're at an Alabama or Clemson or something like that, where basically, you know, you're going to have everything, you know, affordable and handed to you anyways. But if you're at a a smaller school, you know, let's say a, um, even a smaller power five school, I'll use like a, like a, um, drawing a blank right now on a school, UCF. Okay. Like, it's just not that yeah, Good night. Right. it's just not that easy, you know, and <laughs> the NIL game, the benefits of it is that, again, the kids are going to be able to promote themselves. They're going to be able to get their own business deals. They're going to be able to do things in a manner where they are going to be able to provide for their families at home that might not be as fortunate as some of the other kids. Right. But you're also going to be in a situation where NIL is is a problem right now, too, because it's being used as a recruiting tool. And that is the total opposite of what it was supposed to be meant for. The the NIL base was supposed to be meant for a Trevor Lawrence who wins a national championship as a freshman but can't promote himself in any any way, right? Like you can't sell your shoes from the game or you can't go sign autographs somewhere or or do your own podcast with sponsorships and make money that way or just whatever whatever it is, right? And that's what it was meant for. And it's turned into this gray area where the NCAA basically was just like, hey, we gave you guys what you want. Have at it. You handle it now. And that was a mistake. Um, And it's out of control right now. Um, If I told you the amount of money that some of these unproven high school players are getting to commit to programs right now, you would lose your mind. And all the power to the kids. It's great that they are getting that stuff. But I think of it from a business perspective, right? Like these are unproven kids going into college where if you're thinking from the college coach's standpoint, it's almost mind-blowing the fact that you're, you're, you're basically writing contracts for the kids to be able to come in, which is one thing that has started to change is that originally there were no contracts done. There wasn't anything like that. It was just kind of, again, it was kind of a frenzy. It was a free-for-all. And now they're a little bit more, it's a little bit more contract related. They found ways to be able to, you know, there are loopholes that that they've been able to find and figure out. Um, What I am all for and what I love is when the kids get to campus, they do what they're supposed to. They, 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 they work hard for the coaches. They work hard for the program. They produce on the field. Boom. You should be getting money. You should be able to make whatever kind of car deal at whatever kind of dealership that you want. So you can go drive a Tesla around if you want to, right? Or what, whatever it is, but I don't love the fact of, and the reason, the biggest reason why I don't love the way that it is right now is because the kids get complacent once they get this money and they think just because that they're the highest paid player on the entire roster right now, they can do whatever they want and get away with it. And it's not teaching them the right morals in certain instances. Um, I've seen a lot of kids like, I've seen a lot of guys get kicked off of, of teams right now because of, of things of that nature, or just they end up hitting the transfer portal because, you know, they think just because of the highest paid guy on the team that they should be playing. And then they lose that work. They lose that drive to be able, you know, and these kids that we're talking about that end up getting these deals, they have so much potential, the potential that I would do anything on the planet to have, right? Like I am five foot six on a good day, Brody. Like if it, like if I could, if I had another foot taller on me, if I'm, you know, like I just, I can't even imagine what life would be like. Right. But if you're doing it the right way, 
you're going to see the benefits from it. And it's something that I wish that they would find a way to adjust it. And I know that a lot of, a lot, obviously a lot of like, like highly profile high school players would definitely disagree with me on that. Um, but if you do everything that you're supposed to, once you get there, uh, and I'm honestly, I'm not even opposed to like a signing bonus once you get there, but just all the crazy deals that some of these kids are getting leading up to it where they haven't even stepped foot on campus yet. Like there's a kid who <laughs> I, I heard the story that he took $50,000 from a booster for a certain program. And they said, we will give you this 50,000 wow. front right now and give you the next 50,000. Once you commit, he took that 50,000, went to the next program. They said the same thing. We'll give you 75,000. If you, if you do this or whatever, he took that money and then he ends up committing to a completely different program. That wasn't even any of the two, because they said, we're going to offer you a hundred thousand if you commit to us right here on the spot. Right. So like, that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. That's what the major college programs are dealing with on a consistent basis. And it is absolutely wild. It is, there are more twists and turns right now than there ever have been. Um, now, as far as everything that I'm doing, I'm not dealing with it nearly as much because as far as all the kids that I'm helping, I've got maybe three or four that are actually going to be in the NIL conversation. Um, and honestly, there are times where the educational side of NIL is not given enough because it's still so fresh and so new. What the kids don't understand is, okay, let's say this car dealership is going to give you an NIL deal. Okay. They're going to give you a car, right? But you have to do this, 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 and this to be able to maintain that you're going to be able to keep that car. Right. And the kids are just like, is that in your best interest? Yeah. And also the kids are just like, okay, yeah, like whatever. Like they, they don't, they're not educated on because they've never had a job before. They don't know. Like football has been their life the whole time. They don't understand the way contracts works. So they end up being in a situation where, you know, th there's one specific story. I'm not going to mention the kid's name, but he was over at Florida state and Florida state was like, you know, we got you an NIL deal where, you know, you're going to be getting a certain amount of money from this, from this place. Once you show up to this event, this event and this event, well, he didn't show up to the events. So he didn't get paid. Well, there was so much miscommunication yeah. and so much confusion. The kid ended up leaving because he thought that people were lying to him when that wasn't the case. He just wasn't educated on what specifically was being asked from him because it was so new and it wasn't understood at the time. So there's a lot of confusion with it. Um, I have a kid right now who I'm not going to say his name just because I don't want to, you know, you, you know the way that it goes. Um, but the kid was in conversations with a lot of different schools based off of NIL stuff. And it was something that he was actually starting to hurt himself because he was pushing for NIL money so hard and he didn't have the leverage for it. I mean, it's basically just like any other contract, right? You need leverage to be able to get as much money as you can. And if you don't have the leverage, well, now you're just rubbing people the wrong way, right? And if you don't make that point very clear, even though as much as I was trying to make that point clear, sometimes it still doesn't always get through, you know, which luckily he's fine. You know, he's committed to a really, really, he's committed to a top program right now. And, you know, he's going to be perfectly okay. But at the time, you know, making sure that you're navigating the kids through that process properly is important as long as they're letting you know all the information on their end too, right? Because I can't navigate for them if, if they're not telling me everything that's going on on their end. But the second that I got wind of that, I was like, you guys need to pump the brakes. Like, like we need to make sure that you're, again, timing is everything, right? If you have the leverage where, you know, let's say Florida State and Florida offer you and now you've got leverage to be able to go back to the school that you're committed to and say, hey, you know, I just want to give you a heads up. So-and-so is offering me this kind of money. Like, can you guys, I, I still want to be loyal to you guys, but I've got to do what's best for my family too. Like, can you guys at least match what they're offering me? 
And that's when you start to, you know, that's when things really start to escalate. Um, but yeah, every kid's situation is going to be different. And it's very, very rare, honestly, that most kids even get a chance at stuff like that. You know, I've got a kid right now who's committed or um, he's committed to Utah. I've got another one who's got offers from Michigan and Boston College. I've got, you know, like those caliber of kids, they're going to get they're going to get money when all is said and done. But the kids that are, you know, even for group of five programs, like the the kid that I, you know, sent to Toledo, he ain't making a dime, you know, and it's just because, you know, the smaller tier programs just don't have the boosters, um, you know, to be able to fund things like that, you know? So every situation is going to be different. There's a misconception that basically any college that you go to, you're going to be able to get NIL money. And that's not the case. If you're a massive program, they'll be able to get you whatever you want, right? But if you're in a situation where if you're going to even a smaller power five school, um, you know, it's just not always that easy. They just don't have the funds to be able to do it. They're going to pay the guys that are on campus and that have been great for them. And, you know, they'll make sure that they're keeping the guys that they need to, but they're not going to be able to do that for everyone, which is ultimately why you see the transfer portal the way that it is right now too. Um, Because certain kids are looking for paydays on top of the playing time that they're trying to get as well. But there's, a lot of different reasons why guys are trying to jump in and they end up screwing themselves because they're trying to get a payday. Do you see it influencing the way that these kids are thinking about their brand image and how, and how they're kind of building that? Um, Cause my guess would be that it's, it gives them the, the kind of want and need to really start building their brand way earlier just Correct. for the potential mm-hmm. of making that money because it's an option if they, if they do have that platform. So you do see that if you do see that, what what are some of the ways that you see it affecting that? Well, it ends up being in a certain circumstance where nothing is guaranteed in football, right? You could go out there and you can. I mean, I've I've watched. I'm a I'm a Steelers fan. I've saw I've I've seen Ryan Chazier lay on that field motionless. Anything can happen out on that field, and nothing is guaranteed. So something that they are jumping in more than anything they're these kids that are like the five-star kids and all of these things like they they've started building their brand even before they even start making money as far as like from nil packages and stuff like that so another college coach calling me um it's just this certain situation where they use their rankings to be able to kind of get them to move up the chart and once their ranking gets the way that it ends up being that's when again negotiations end up starting to be able to kind of form place with nil stuff i've heard I've heard stuff that I've had a, a kid was supposed to end up going to this spot, but because this other staff wanted him so bad, they actually paid him just to come on a visit. Like those are the kind of things that we're talking about that just like, that's how crazy that things end up being for it. Um, they do try, you know, there are certain kids that will take advantage of the branding stuff. Um, I think where they have, you know, the, the proper structure in place where parents might be entrepreneurs or whatever, Right. Um, But then there's others that don't take advantage of it nearly as much as they should. Um, So it's going to depend on the kid. Um, Ultimately, the biggest reason why they're they're going to the biggest bidder right now, though, is just because nothing else is guaranteed. And a lot of these guys, you know, some of them come from from families that are financially stable. Right. But a lot of them do not. Um, And they're going to go that they're not thinking big picture. They're just going hey, I'm going to go to the highest bidder um, and I'm going to worry about it later because I'm going to believe in my talent. But even though that's not always the case because a lot of those guys at the next level have the same talent that you do. You know, it's very rare that you're going in the first round of the draft, right? So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds like a temptation to really go for the cash and more than anything else and avoid that long yeah. pick, that long uh, term thinking. Yeah, it's almost like they, they, they block everything else out. 
you know, they'll obviously listen to the pitch of like, okay, you know, this is a great location or what, or whatever. But like the guys that are going to, again, the Georgia's, the Alabama's like, you know, the, the guys that are committing to Miami and Texas A&M right now, it's all like, you know, NIL is a thing. It's, and it's here to stay too. It's not, it's not going anywhere. Do you see that potentially leading into a, a downstream effect? I could imagine is that schools with more money will just start to have the better programs. I mean, I guess yes. to a degree that's already the case, but it's, it could cause that disparity even more. Well, it's, and it's interesting because the way that they go about using their money is what's ultimately going to get them in the right direction. Because if they're picking and choosing which kids that they want to use it on, like if, if when you end up being in a spot where there's a certain kid that he, he does not care about what the program looks like, he is going to the highest bidder. Those kids happen to have a tendency to flame out. Um, not every kid is going to, right? Some kids are going to have the, the proper head on their shoulders to where they're going to make it work. But you have situations where, you know, I'm just going to go to Texas A&M just because they're throwing the biggest bag at me. You see what Texas A&M is right now, right? They're, they, I think they went three and seven this year or four and six, something like that. They're not even going to make a bowl game. And it's because the culture of their program is a bunch of kids that are more focused on the money that they're making and know that they can get away with whatever they want because they just got all the money in the world, right? It's, it's the NIL stuff is not made for it to, to end up being professional football, right? Professional football is a beautiful thing because the guys that are getting paid $12 million a year have the maturity to be able to handle it. Yeah. Right. They're grown, they're grown adults, you know, and you know, even if you're 19 years old, you are still a kid. Oh, yeah. I, I know the maturity level that I had at 19 years old was not where it needed to be, you know, and so and, and that's that's a massive aspect of it. The culture is everything. If you're making sure that you're giving the kids the the or the you're giving the right kids the right prices for things, you know, it, it almost ends up being like supply and demand at times. Yeah. What do you think the answer is for I mean, it sounds like maybe regulation. What do you see as the um, the answer for this? some of these problems that are forming as a result of it? Man, it's a good question because as far as the regulations are concerned, I don't know if they can now. The, the cat's out of the bag. Like, I don't know if there's any way for them to be able to truly get a hold of it at this point. If they had started with regulations, I think they'd be able to maintain them. But now you can't just go from, hey, so-and-so, we just paid you know this quarterback $500,000 to be able to, to, to come to our program and sign with our program, you can't just all of a sudden stop that. Yeah. You know, like it, it, that's, that's a hard train that you just stop because even if there are rules and regulations for it, which there technically are, but the NCAA just doesn't enforce it. I mean, then they're just going to, they're just going to continue to find other ways to do it. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the, the story that recently happened with Tennessee where they had a McDonald's on campus where all of the kids would go they would hand them a bag, and instead of you know your your Big Mac or whatever in it, there's a bunch of cash in the bag. Um, you know that's like they will find ways to be able to do it, and that's something that now that this bag is open, it was something that was a it was already being done by certain schools anyways. Um, but now that it's legal, it's just a whole different it's a whole different level. And the, again, the NCAA isn't they aren't investigating anything into it because they don't have to. They don't. 
they they said you guys wanted this you deal with it even though it's under our name you guys deal with it and that's ultimately a reason why at some point i think a lot of these schools aren't going to end up actually going away from the ncaa it's been been very clear with a lot of coaches that i talked to that that's probably going to end up happening at some point wow that's uh it's a difficult situation i guess the only thing i can say is i hope that it somehow gets pushed in the right direction somehow but it's it seems like a a difficult thing to change it's kind of like it's kind of like a giant ship like got pushed a little bit too much in one direction it's very hard to steer it the other way right and well and the one thing that i do want to make sure that i reiterate good for the kids the kids that are getting this money is life-changing money i would take the money too right like how would you not but at the same time i just i think i everything that i think about is long term right and the long-term aspirations of what is going on right now it's just not feasible so uh kind of switching gears a little bit one thing i wanted to ask you a little bit about is just uh your your business itself your business model um could you get into a little bit of like the way that your business is structured because i'm kind of just fascinated by you know the inner workings of any business how how do you take on clients how do you how do you how does the business make money i'm just kind of curious like what your business model is basically every strain of income right now is based off of the kids signing up with me to help them. That is basically everything right now. I mean, as far as, which is, again, this is kind of the reason why I keep talking about, like, I want to be able to get into other things, but I want to do it at the right time because there are so many other avenues that this can be done properly. Um, But right now, the way that this has been structured since, you know, really for a while is the whole reason why I'm continuing to build. So there's only so much that I want to change with it where word of mouth has been, oh God, man, it, it has been so, it has been so great. I'm so thankful that it's been built this way because you know that you're making a difference because people keep sending you their way, right? So for, for really like the way that the business is structured right now, the kids and the parents will contact me, you know, whether that's again, word of mouth or it's Twitter and they will sign up with me just strictly just to help their child and make sure that they're being, you know, just to make sure that everything is being done the right way, that they're being seen, the process being navigated properly and everything of that nature. Um, But as far as like, there are some other avenues right now where, you know, like Middleburg high school is one that does pay me just specifically to help their kids. Right. And there's some other schools right now that are in the, you know, they're in the works. They're not technically official yet. I do work with them on the side already, but I don't want to say their names yet just because we haven't officially signed on the dotted line. But there are other schools where it's going to be the exact same situation where it's basically a feeder program to where, you know, I am essentially working for the school. I am going to be, you know, quote unquote, you know, helping them with like the recruiting coordinator type of operations. But it's also going to be a situation where, you know, the parents can pay a certain extra amount if they want the extra benefits that come with the business, right? So there's a lot of different avenues that do end up coming along with that. (coughs) Pardon me. But as far as basically the way that the main structure is it, all of these kids and the parents are all just signing up with me and the business. And then we go from there. And all the work that I end up putting in for them, it just continues to, to, you know, continues the cycle really to where we're at right now. Very cool. So I would imagine, I mean, you offer so many different types of things. I would imagine it kind of just starts with a conversation with, with the student and the parents to see Mm -hmm. 
how much they would like to get into it, how much help they want. And I would guess it's probably customized to each person because it's right. just so variable, right? Yeah, they could right. be getting a little bit of help or they could be getting a lot of help. And it probably just looks like meeting them where they're at and figuring out what they want help with. Right. And the one thing that I will say, the price point, I have the same package for every kid. Okay. Okay. And the reason, the reason why I do it this way, the only one who gets differentiated from that is special teams. So like kickers and punters. Um, and the reason why is because I'm so detailed with making sure that the film is done properly for these kids. Kicking and punting is a little, is a little more self-explanatory, right? You know, like sure. you can see the kid kicking and punting. Like I'll just say like, Hey, reorganize it this way and it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but as far as all this is concerned, the communication aspect is something that is so important with what I put in to be able to help navigate for the kids that that is a guarantee. I, this is something that, you know, listen, it's not my fault if you guys are not communicating with me. Right. But I, this, you are paying to be able to make sure that you can use me at a resource 24, seven, 365. I was answering text messages at 1am last night. You know, I mean, that's, that's the way that I want to do this because I want to be able to help as much as I possibly can. And anything can happen at any moment. I was on the phone with multiple kids during Thanksgiving because, you know, the college coaches don't sleep. So, you know, I still have to make sure that, you know, Hey, this college coach just reach out to me here. What do I say in this situation? Boom. I'll type something up for him and make sure that he knows the proper way to respond. Right. Or, you know, it's not just about making sure that I'm talking to certain coaches about certain players, right? That is obviously a huge piece to the puzzle just because it's something that a lot of – there aren't many people that have those kind of resources. But making sure that we're lining everything up the way that it needs to is ultimately going to end up being a kid that, you know, maybe you would have had five options if I was just talking to schools about you. But now that we're lining everything up and we're communicating and we're, we're navigating this the right way, now you've got ten offers, Right. And that's where I've seen things change. I've got a, um, a kid right now. I'm not even going to say where he's committed to because I don't, I don't want to do the kid like that. But he is might be one of the worst communicators I've ever dealt with in my life. And he still had four offers before he decided to commit. Right. But I still to this day think that if he would have kept me in the loop on a little bit more about what was going on, he probably would have had eight offers by the time that he would have committed. Right. And maybe he would have committed to a different school. He's at a great spot. But, you know, and he ended up getting the spot. That's why he decided to commit. And I was a part of that decision. But at, at the same time, the I can help more the more that they will let me help them, right? So, like, the more that they're keeping me in the loop – bless you, by the Thank way. Thank you. The yeah. more that they're keeping me in the loop on what's going on with them, ultimately, the more that I can help them. The process ends up being so much more effective and so much more efficient the more that we're all on the same page, right? Whether that's, again, just talking to the coaches or making sure that they have an idea for who's coming to see them during the spring evaluation period, right? Or once we get to summer camps now – making sure that we're managing our time properly and not only our time, but make sure that we're managing our money too. Traveling is not cheap right now, you know? So making sure that you're going to the right places where the college coaches really actually want to see you, where you're actually going to have a shot to get an offer at, right? So there's a lot of different avenues that ultimately that I make it very, very clear that I have a formula that works. And that is the reason why I normally have one package. And if you don't like that one package, there are little things like, you know, I do some consultant work, we you know, where there's there's some consultant fees. And like I do have some some things where if you just want a film package, I will just do your film. Um, those are very strict packages because that is what you're paying for. Right. And a lot of times people will try to be like, well, can you uh, like this is come on. Like I have I have a package for a reason. Right. Like everyone has to do this for a reason. Um, but it's something where 
you know, as far as most of it is concerned, the film side is so important. No matter who the kid is, I will never put the film in front of a college coach unless the film is done the right way. I've seen it. Mis- I've seen it really affect way too many kids recruitments. Um, so as far as the structure of it is concerned, I do have one package. Um, now the prices will vary at times. Um, you know, just because there are certain situations where let's say I get started with a kid and, you know, we're going for 18 months. Okay. Well, there's a certain price point for that. And maybe the longer that it goes on at some point, I am going to have to drop the price a little bit, right? Just because, you know, for instance, if I only have three months to work with a kid right now, okay, well, that price point is definitely going to be different than it was for the, for the kid that's working for 18 months. Right. But I always do say you're paying for what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 sooner that I can work with you, the more guarantees that I can give you. I can never guarantee that a certain school is going to offer, right? That's not what I can guarantee, but I can guarantee that they're going to watch. And the more schools that are watching, the earlier on that they're watching, the more offers that you're going to get, right? But also at the same time, if you have a kid that, like for instance, I just had a kid sign up with me yesterday who is a, a senior. And I made it very clear, like, listen, the, the amount of guarantees that I can give are substantially lower than they would have been if we would have done this this time last year or even six months ago before the season started, because now there's not a single college coach that knows about you. And I have to start completely from scratch. And it, this isn't a situation where it's very, very rare that I just put a kid in front of a college coach and he's just like, boom, all right, he's got an offer within 10 minutes. And then we go from there. That's not the way that it works. They need to do their background checks. They need to make sure that you're going to be a fit for what they do. And they're going to want to talk to you and all these other little things. They got to have staff meetings to make sure that everyone on the staff believes that this kid is going to be a fit for the program. It's, It's a long process. And the sooner that I can get started with kids, the bigger impact that I can make. Now, for instance, just like the kid that signed up, that kid's going to be fine. Um, but it's all about your perspective and the way that you're looking at it too. Because if you're going to be, if we're this far out and you're going to be really picky, it you're, you're not going to have as many options, right? But if you're going to let me go to work and talk to as many people as I can, and then we'll sort it out and figure it out later, then that that's when people end up seeing the most out of this. So again, every kid's going to be different. Every situation's going to be different. But as far as the structure is concerned, yeah, the, the biggest thing, everyone more times than not gets the same package just because the formula for the way that I have things, it works. And I don't want to go off of that formula to where it's not going to be as effective. And then again, we're sitting in a situation where someone's not going to be happy. Yeah, I think there was a really good point in there um, at some point where you talked about how they're all going to get – so the communication is very key. I think this is the case with any kind of service. Um, it's definitely something I've observed. The communication is key, and you get out of it what you put in. I mean, if I'm ever outsourcing any kind of thing that I do, I'd really try to make it a point to give as much clear communication as possible and follow-up because, I mean, you could have the best service in the world, but if you can't communicate what you're looking for – and how it's personal to you, you're not going to get what you're looking for. And so many people have the misconception that any kind of service that you are using, you just kind of, you sign up and then it's done from there. It's just hand it off and set it and forget it. But I I really don't think that's the case. I think you really get what you put in for anything. Right. Yeah. It's just not that easy, you know, and it's like, I have, again, that's where my honesty comes in with these, with the, with the parents and the kids, because, you know, I have certain kids that will get signed up with me early and you know, they've got really good builds to them as a sophomores and you think that they're going to continue to grow and they don't grow. Right. So like I'll start off talking to division one schools. 
I'm not getting the feedback that I want. Like, I do believe in this kid, this talent, and I think that he has a chance to grow, so keep an eye on him, right? Then he doesn't grow. Okay, well, now we're in a situation where we're going to have to start talking to some lower schools, and that's when – that's the only time where I get some fight back on from parents is because we got started so early – and things just didn't work out the way that we had hoped to, right? Or for instance, like I'll have certain kids that we get started super early and he's been hurt his entire high school career. He's got all the talent in the world, but he can't stay healthy. There's not a whole lot that I can do from that, right? Like not only do we not have any film, but I we can't get any athletic verified testing numbers. There's not there's not another sport that we can point to. There's we just have to wait it out. We got we gotta make sure that you're getting healthy and then we go from there, right? So like the, the situations can be tough at times. I wish that this, it's just like any industry. You wish that you could make everyone happy. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way, you know? And that's something that I've been able to finally live with a little bit more. That was something that I really struggled with at first, because when you're helping over 80 different kids right now, and and that doesn't even include the other, the other kids that I've already sent to college, not everyone's going to be thrilled with what they end up getting. Right. And that's why I try to make it very, very clear going in, like, you know, especially if you're a senior that just signed up, like, hey, man, like, I just want to give you a heads up. There aren't a whole lot of, of Division One spots out there right now, but there are a ton of Division Two schools that I think would really have a lot of interest in you once we get this out there. And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. If it ends up not being D2, then maybe it's Division Three or NAIA, right? And they always find ways to be able to get money. Every program is going to be created differently. Um, but it's something that it can be, it can be tough to – there's a lot of difficult conversations that I have to have with people at times. And a lot of times they're going to appreciate my honesty. And then there's going to be times where you just have people unhappy too. And luckily it's more, they appreciate the honesty because they've been dealing with me for so long and they know me and they know that I'm here in the best interest of the kids. But then you also have others that just don't see it that way too. And, you know, and that's always unfortunate, but you know, again, luckily 95% of them understand where I'm coming from for the most part. And I've been able to teach them enough about this process that they, they, they truly get what I'm saying when that time comes, but it's a, it's a really unique and interesting process that takes a lot of patience for the kids and the parents. It takes a lot of, you know, like I, I tell the kids, if you, if you work your tails off this off season and you put on 20 pounds and you focus on your diet and you work on speed and agility and what, whatever, you know, every kid's going to be different with what they need to. And then I'm doing what I'm doing on my end, buddy, we're going to be just fine. Right. But then if you're also, you know, I'm doing everything on my end, but you're, you know, sitting on your couch eating potato chips all summer. I don't know what you expect me to do. You know, like, like if you're, if your body isn't growing the way that you need to, everything is based off potential. So you got to be able to make sure that you're doing your part too. You've got to work for this too. It can't just be all me. So there's a lot of different angles that you end up having to teach the kids with it. Um, I don't even remember how we got on this conversation, man. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell right you now. either exactly, but I did have one kind of little point of expansion I wanted to go off of there. You kind of talked about how there could be these difficult situations where maybe someone has unrealistic expectations or you've got to have a difficult conversation. And you said that you struggled a lot with that early on. You've kind of come to accept it a little bit more and be able to handle it a little bit better. What are some ways that you de-escalate or kind of slow things down, bring things back to where they need to be when you are in those difficult situations where things might get emotional because it's it's dealing with a very important thing, right? It's dealing essentially with someone's livelihood. It's a it's a big deal, and if they might have unrealistic expectations or they might have dropped the ball somewhere, and you've got to have that tough conversation, 
how do you how do you bridge that gap and how do you handle that effectively through those high stress like high strung situations no matter what every the best way i can say this is that every person's going to be a little bit different with the way that i have to handle it because that's where the communication aspect throughout this process was super helpful for me because i get to know the personalities of the people that i'm dealing with and there are certain ones that i can just have brutal honesty and i know that they might not be happy at that moment but the next day they'll call me apologize they'll think it over they understand what i'm saying whatever and that's man i constantly tell all of my kids and my parents this is a family like that's what what i am dealing with for them is stuff that is again it is this is their children that we're talking about right this is their lives that we're talking about and if i'm not honest about what is happening then there i you get what i'm saying man like as far as like no matter who i'm talking to i'm going to be honest now there's certain ways that i have to word certain things with certain people so that it doesn't end up turning into this you know it doesn't end up turning into something over the top crazy um but everyone's going to be handled a little bit differently but the most key component is just being honest and and if and if that's something that I can go to bed at night and be comfortable with that. I've done everything that I can for this kid and that I'm handling this the right way. Cause I can't always, I can't always, you know, be the magician that gets the outcome the way that we all wanted to, right? I've got some kids that they get their dream offers and everything is super happy and dandy. I've got a, a kid over at Bishop Kenny right now. where literally his top three schools on his entire wish list were the Naval Academy davidson and Penn, and davidson offered him boom and it's the happiest situation that you could possibly imagine and then i've got others that you know their situation doesn't necessarily match the offers that they wanted and they blame me for it and it's you know and it's it's a frustrating thing that doesn't in all honesty brody that doesn't happen very often that has been it's really only happened out of all the kids i've had i think only two or three times where it's really been like they think that I didn't do anything for them when that's very clearly not the case. If they just went back and looked at all of our text messages and everything else, they would see that, you know, I did as much as I possibly could, but just the situation didn't work out the way that it needed to, or I, they, maybe they got with me too late and, and whatever, the, whatever it ended up being. Right. But there's, there's always going to be difficult conversations that you have to have at some point. Luckily, I don't think I'm going to have to have any today. Um, Good. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it, unfortunately. And it's something that, again, it really used to hit me hard. Um, I mean, when I first got started with this, like I had someone tell me like getting with you was the worst decision that we ever had. And I was like, Jeez. oh my God, like ever. Yeah. I was like, that's the, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this, but damn man, like that is, that is insane. Like, I know that that's not true. That's just you. That's just being, you know, it's just an emotional process. And it's something that I try to take it with a grain of salt because again, this is their families. This is their kids. And, you know, not everyone is going to get what they want. And again, that's why I'm so honest with everyone from the jump that I'm going to do everything that I can to help. But there's not a guarantee that everyone's going to get what they want, you know, regardless of maybe you just don't have the talent level that the school is looking for. Maybe you're just not a fit with what that the schematics are of the school. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe. I mean, there's all different kinds of angles. How do you manage stress? It sounds like you've got so much going on all the time. How do you how do you manage the stress of that? Well, to answer your question, I have lost all of my hair. So <laughs> I, that's, that's, you know, I don't have any more hair to pluck off. Yeah. Um, but so, no, man, I mean, it's just the longer that you do this, the more that you get comfortable with it, the more, 
that it starts to kind of flow off your shoulders a little bit more. Um, it's, it's always going to be stressful just for the fact that it's your brand and it's your, you know, it's your name on the line. Um, but man, I, again, I like, I know this kind of ends up being the default for everything, but my honesty really helps me with the stress relieving because again, at least I'm in a situation where I know that I've been honest about everything that I've done. And that ultimately does relieve a lot of the pressure that, you know, that, that for the situations that you're going to encounter at times, you know, so dealing with the stress is not always easy. Um, you know, you're going to have days where you just, you know, put your head in your hands just because there's a lot to do or, or maybe you're not getting answers that you want from certain college coaches. I mean, it's all going to be different, different days, but no, I don't, I'm not sure if there's a really great way that I can answer that. Um, honestly, Brody, because it's not like I'm going to yoga or I'm not, you know, <laughs> I don't half the time. I don't get to go to the gym to go, you know, burn off any steam half the time either, which God, I dearly miss. I'm hoping that, um, once I can get John officially going full time, that I can finally start getting back to the gym again and get a little bit more time to be able to do that. But, you know, as of right now, it's just continue to keep moving forward with everything and, you know, get the results that you're, you're hoping to get and, you know, everything will take care of itself from there. Yeah, I think there was a good point in there about you said you kind of focus on the honesty. There's a deeper point there, I think, that I wanted to kind of double click on, so to speak, is that you're I think what you're doing there is you're focusing on an aspect of it that you can control and not focusing on the other side where right. if you put in all your effort and do what you're supposed to do, you can't control the outcome. So you're you're focusing on the, the part that you could put in and the inputs that you have, which is the being honest and not getting caught up on what ends up happening. Right. And that's something that you, the way that you just worded this dude is perfect because I tell my kids control what you can control. If you are controlling what you can control, if you are doing what you can on your end, if you're, you know, if you're making sure that you're working out the way that you need to making sure that you're eating the way that you need to making sure that we are on our P's and Q's, Right. You control what you can control. I'm going to do everything that I can to help you on my end, too. And I'm going to control what I can control, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's talking to as many schools as I possible. And I'm going to vouch for you. And, you know, we're going to get a lot of no's, but we're going to get some yeses, too. And we'll figure out what's going to be best for you and the family from there. You know, so it's it is truly like Brody. I don't think I've said this enough in this process. I am blessed for the position that I'm in right now. I love what I do. And there are not many people on this planet that can legitimately say that they love what they do every single day, you know, and like, I almost kind of, I'm in the middle ground where, you know, I'm a scout for the college coaches, but I'm almost kind of like an agent for the parents and the players too. I kind of yeah. need that middle ground to where it is so much fun, dude. It is, it's an absolute blast. And I am very fortunate right now that 99% of the families that I deal with are pleasant. They trust me. They, you know, they've seen the results and they know that I'm working hard for their kid and they know the passion that I have. And, um, you know, again, there were times early on where, you know, I wasn't always dealing with families that were trusting in me because I was just getting going with things and I have enough experience now and enough results. Um, and I know what I'm talking about enough now to know that, you know, they, you know, I don't really have, I don't have many issues like that anymore, thankfully. Right. Um, you know, they're always going to happen occasionally, but, um, it's, you know, very, very thankful for, for where things are at right now, man. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun to be able to wake up every day and see a text from a kid saying so-and-so just offered me today. Right. Or like I had four kids get offered yesterday, you know, like That's it's awesome. just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's exciting to get on the phone with kids when they're, you know, 
of course you're gonna get the frustrating phone calls right like i can't believe so and so across town just got this offer like you know whatever but then they'll call me an hour later borderline crying because they just got their first offer too right so it's it's something that's incredibly rewarding um for 90 percent of the kids right and you know and then they know what you're doing for them too and they have an appreciation for it and you know that's not everything right because i know what i'm doing to be able to help and i know that i'm doing everything that i can but then when you get text messages from parents saying we couldn't have done this without you and we can't thank you enough and just all the kind words that you get on the daily too it's just it's something that and again that's what makes it to me where if i even if i did get that opportunity that I thought was my dream back in the day. I don't know if I would because I have so much fun with what I'm doing. And, you know, obviously I have clients, but I also know that I'm not working towards a higher up right now too, right? Like I know that I'm my own boss. I know that, you know, there's, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I know that there's going to be job security. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different things that you end up pointing to with this, but again, very thankful for where I'm at right now. I love to hear that. I always love to hear someone being so passionate about what they do. I think it's really cool that you get to be, like you mentioned, you get to be involved so much on both sides of it. You get this holistic kind of picture of the entire industry, really, and you right. get to be involved across the whole thing and really soak all the way into it. And I think that's really cool. And one thing I was going to add is like the direction of the company right now. I know this is something we haven't really gotten into yet, like the three to five year plan. Right. You read my mind. It's the next thing is I was going to say. Where you're going, yeah. Dude? Yeah. We're on the same That's page, funny. <laughs> um, there's a couple of different routes that this could end up going. And this is where I'm really excited to get the baseball side of things going because mm -hmm. this, it wouldn't surprise me three to five years from now if this is a legitimate sports agency. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a legitimate scouting agency where teams are paying us to scout too. It, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different ways that this could ultimately go down. And what I think that it's going to end up being like, I'm more on the 80% of thinking that it's going to end up turning into a sports agency. If everything continues to go in the right direction and I hire the right people and, I, and we have the right, the right situation around us. Um, because once the baseball side gets started, you know, I'm starting to work with kids that, you know, more and more talent, right? And, you know, if they do everything that they need to at the college level, everything goes, everything always has to go perfect to be able to say that you can get to the NFL or even any kind of professional league. Um, if they do what they need to, they already know that they can call me, right? And that's something that, you know, obviously you need to get approved by the NFLPA and everything like that. But there is a plan in place for at some point when that time comes that, you know, we'll try to figure out to make that happen. But if we're talking on the baseball side, I mean, dude, kids can get drafted out of high school, you know, which makes the timeline speed up significantly faster. Like for the, the, the quarterback that I'm helping that also throws an 88 mile an hour fastball. Okay. Well now if I've got a baseball guy, I can send him to the baseball guy and he can work his magic. If he decides not to play football because of how special of an arm that this kid has by the time that he's a senior and he's throwing 95 miles an hour, it's still a win-win. You know, and it's something that it's not only just for the kids, but for us, too, you know. So it's something that the plan on the football side, that's always kind of been, you know, what I could see it going towards getting the baseball side going the way that I hope that it goes is going to be astronomical. And, you know, and this is another thing, again, if we're just talking about the business standpoint here, that the the kids playing baseball baseball brody i don't know if you ever played baseball baseball is an expensive sport 
Okay, all the traveling that you have to do for it, all the, the different equipment that you have. Travel ball is not cheap. There's a lot of money that goes into that. And it's significantly cheaper than football. So like I, for instance, like I will go out of my way to help a lot of lower income families in football because you're dealing with more of those families. Whereas in baseball, there's just a lot of money in baseball. Like, I mean, there, there, there really is. And like, there's no other way for me to put it with, without being, you know, super blunt about it. Because if you get, if you get with the right people and you can make a significant inf in, you know, influence with the right kind of talent and the right kind of coaches and whatever, I mean, you could hit gold. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, that's the plan right now. But, um, you know, every, plans always change. You know, three to five years is a long time away from now. You know, so we'll see how it continues to trend. Um, but as of right now, that's the way the things are trending. So I had kind of a, a fun question that came to mind just talking about the crossover between baseball and football. And I, I really like the direction that you're headed and where your head's at with it. I think that could be really oh, huge. Dude, it could be so much fun. Uh, but just a, oh, it could be so much fun. Yeah, just a little fun question because you're so into both football and baseball. What did you think about Kyler Murray going football instead of baseball? I thought because he was the number one overall pick, he probably made the right decision because here's the thing with, if you're talking from like a head trauma perspective, okay, then yeah, you probably should have gone baseball if you're worried about your, your mental health and, and, and your physical health. But if we're talking about the guarantees, I mean, listen, yeah, baseball contracts are great, but you've got to make your way up the ranks and it takes years to get to that point. Right. And you have to be, the baseball seasons are, they don't, they don't end, man. Like they feel like they they can go on forever and ever. The football side, he's the number one overall pick. He is guaranteed to be the starter. He just came off of winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you saw the contract that he just got. When you end up being the number one overall pick as a quarterback of all things, it's one thing if he was a running back. If he was a running back, I'm telling him to go to baseball immediately because you're not making the same kind of money yeah. as a running back as you are a quarterback. But when you get the kind of guarantees that you do just being the first overall pick – and on top of that, you end up getting the guarantees that come along with it once you end up being – once you just prove yourself even a little bit. Because if you're the first overall pick for the NFL, you have the leeway – you have the longest leash that you could ever see. I still can't see the leash that I'm throwing right now. That's that's what that's what I'm saying, right? So, like, it's something that he, – he made the right decision. Um, now, the, the, the stuff that he has around him right now is not necessarily the best. And I'm not saying the – the players, I think the coaching staff at, at Arizona is to be determined. Um, I think their offense is pretty simple um, with, with what he would preferably like to do. But if we're talking about the decision that he made, I think I really think it was the right one. I mean, there was a lot more guarantees with you becoming the starting quarterback and, and getting guarantees in your contract, being drafted by Arizona as the number one overall pick coming off the Heisman Trophy, than you going to play baseball, which was always your second sport, and everything is going to have to go right for you in the minor leagues too, because you see first round picks that die out in the minor leagues all the time because they get hurt or they, they don't have the passion for it or whatever the case may be, you know? And I think that he's always had more passion playing football. Yeah. I've got a funny story about Kyler Murray. Actually, I used to, um, I used to date this girl in Tallahassee when she was going to FSU and I used to visit her, you know, on every other weekend or so. And, I went up there and, you know, we were at a Chipotle and I looked out of the corner of my eye and there's Kyler Murray. And this is when he was at Oklahoma, right? So like he was, you know, he wasn't the super well-known ninja, but I just know him just because I'm the, you know, the, the football nerd that knows everyone. And 
there's always been speculation about how tall Kyler is, right? Like I think his, um, I think in during the NFL Combine they said he was five eleven. Like I am five six, Brody. He was maybe two inches taller than me. Maybe. Wow. I stood next to him, <laughs> dude. Like. He is like that's why like I love Kyler because you know I got little people syndrome so like I like that's like that's so cool to be able to see him running around out there yeah. and like that bro like that's so cool he's aerodynamic but, yeah dude I mean <laughs> just how fast he is with the arm strength that he has and how like dude like all the the offensive linemen in front of him are all like almost like a foot taller than him and he is still finding throwing lanes and he still knows where to go and like. Oh, he's so electric. He's so much fun. I wish his personality was a little bit better at times on the field with his teammates. Um, but he's, he's an interesting one, man. Like, it's just when I saw him live that one day, I was like, that is insane. He's as good as he is for being as short as he is. You know? Yeah, it's very unique. That's for sure. So we kind of caught up. You know, we talked about your background. Obviously, we talked about how you got to the point that you're at now. We also talked about kind of three to five year plan. I'd like to kind of take a second to ask you a question this is one of the the questions i ask in every interview um kind of being where you're at now if you could go back in time and talk to just a younger brian as you were first starting the business or or maybe even in your first internship kind of getting into this industry whatever point makes more sense what are a couple just having the wisdom and the knowledge that you have having gotten to this point what are a couple things you would tell them to do differently so I would even go back farther than that. I would say where I I am thankful for the professors at UNF for certain things. I would not have gone to UNF. Um, not only just because I didn't get the super fun atmosphere of college. I think that was why I went to Tallahassee so much is because FSU was so much fun and you know, there's a party every other weekend. And I, you know, yeah, that's the thing about college that people need to understand is like, yes, you need to make sure that you've got your crap together, but you still need to be able to enjoy the social aspect of college. Cause it only comes once. Oh yeah. And that was something that I didn't get as much as I should have being at UNF, unfortunately, but going, if we're talking about the actual dynamic of the way that everything panned out the way that it is now, I would have sucked up my pride and gone to FSU. I didn't go to FSU because I was a diehard Gator fan and I had the stupid loyalty to UF just because they were my team growing up. And I was like, I'll never go to Florida state. And Oh God, if I could go back now, Jimbo Fisher was winning national championships there. You mm-hmm. telling me if I got my foot in the door there, like now, obviously I love what I do so much now that this obviously ended up being the right route. But for what I was trying to accomplish at that time, if I end up working with the Florida state staff, you know, the doors that that would have opened up for me at the time. So if I could go back and just to see what if, because I do think if it ended up not working out, I do still think that I would have found a way to be in the seat that I'm in right now. Um, just because I've always had the passion for that side of it. But at the same time, there's this part of me that's just like, man, that would have been so interesting to see what that decision would have been. Um, but as far as, Going back and doing anything over again, man, I, as crazy as it sounds, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there's almost this part of me that would have said, don't go to college in general. But as far as the business is concerned, um, I'm really confident in saying that I think that the path is here for a reason. Um, I don't know what that reason is yet, but I will say that I think everything that I've done so far to this point has led me to where I'm at right now. Um, You know, I've had to make some difficult choices. I've had to, you know, 
I've had to have some hard conversations, but I do think that everything ended up being at the right time and I've ended up in the right place. So I know that's probably pretty rare to hear. Um, but I actually think that, you know, it took me, you know, I was probably 20, 21 years old till I really started to realize the potential that I had. I think, you know, it took, it takes a while to build confidence. It takes a while to realize what you can actually do. Um, and what hard work can get you too. um, you know, like my, both of my, both my parents, you know, we don't come from, you know, we aren't like an insanely filthy rich kind of family, right? Like my, you know, um, my dad works at, um, uh, he works on, you know, on, on yachts. He's, you know, he does a lot of mechanical stuff. Like, and he, my dad works harder than almost anybody that I know. And, you know, my mom is a paralegal for a law firm and, and, you know, they, they're middle-class work hard kind of, you know, lunch pail kind of people. And I think that that has really ingrained on me. So it's, again, it's, it's hard for me to be able to say that there's a specific thing that I would go back as far as the business is concerned, but as far as before the business got started. Makes sense. I like that you are happy with where you're at though, and feel like you got there for a reason and we'll stay there for a reason. Certainly hope so. That's awesome. Everything's on the right track right now. That's what it seems like. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the, all the fun stuff, dude. I knocked on this end too. <laughs> I always do that. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then um, and the other question I always ask is, so the, the show is called Profession Session, right? right? So I have a kind of a thesis with the show that many different types of things can be a profession. It kind of looks different for everyone. And you're a great example of that because you're in this kind of unique format that you've built your business in where you have both sides that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a unique example of a profession. And I'm curious what it means to you personally to be a professional. That's a good question. You know, Brody, cause I know you, you know me a little bit to a certain extent, right. And like the way my professionalism is different than other professionalism, you know, like I am being in the sports industry, you know, not every word out of my mouth is Johnny professional, but I make it in a way that I'm so, I think people find me relatable at times um, with the way that I communicate with them, the way that I talk, that I bring my own twist to it. And I think that, again, comes back to you have to have confidence in yourself. And, you know, that's that, dude, that's a good question, man, because honestly, like the and that's a deep question, because as far as the professional side is concerned, I'm very, very again, I'm very, very thankful for where I'm at right now. And I don't think that if I didn't do it my way like that, I don't know if I would be where I am right now, too. So hopefully that answers the question properly. I mean, it's something that it's it's it means more than I could probably express um, just because of where it's gotten me to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it, it looks different for everyone. I mean, right. Like you mentioned, not every word out of your mouth is Johnny professional, but I think that's right. for a reason. It's because you're in an industry where the way that the way that you speak to your clients, to the people that you deal with, to the professional relationships that you have is the way that they want to be spoken to and the the way that they best receive information. And mm-hmm. I think there's a good point in there that being a professional is recognizing what that looks like for you in your specific industry or niche right? and adapting to that and, and playing that game correctly. Yeah, dude, that's a good way to put it. Cause you know, I have certain people that, you know, you got to watch your mouth sometimes. And then I've got certain ones that you know, F bombs are flying off the, off the shelf, yeah. and it's you know, and it's like again, those are the kind of relationships that you know it, it makes it fun that everyone is different, and you know, it's, it's it's a lot of fun to do. It holds you to a high standard of being adaptable and and really knowing 
knowing the the kind of for lack of better words game of of relationship building really well and being really good at it right. i think that's really cool well brian uh i want to say thank you again so much for being on is there anything that else that you'd like to leave the audience with uh no i mean if there is anyone listening that happens to have any uh high school football players that needs any help um please you know find me at bhrecruiting.com um you know my twitter handle is at b herney scout guy um you know try to put a little bit of a fun twist on it um you know my last name looks like henry it's pronounced herney a lot of people in the area know me as brian henry um but again, <laughs> like i don't i don't i don't correct people on it just because you know hey at least they know who i am you know um, meeting them where they're at yeah no um but no brody i mean can't thank you enough um you know if anyone ever has any questions about um anything small in particular you know i try to be able to get on the phone with people to where even if they for some reason didn't sign up even if i'm a little out of their price point or whatever that i can at least still bring some kind of knowledge to what is needed to be able to do to help the kids a little bit so um you know my number is on the website and you know you guys can fill out a uh uh, you know, a little comment section where you guys can reach out um, or you can email me, you guys. I mean, whatever you guys want to do, if you guys ever need anything, you know, please never re- hesitate to reach out. That's what I'm here for. So, but no, Brody, I mean, again, can't thank you. Can't thank you enough for having me on, dude. This was, this was fun, dude. We could Absolutely. You know, definitely do this again sometimes, man. I feel like we could talk for another hour and a half if we really wanted to. Yeah, man, you, you're a great conversationalist and you had a lot of good stuff to talk about. I really appreciate it. And, um, and I'll make sure that everyone can find you and all the applicable channels uh, in the show notes, if you're listening on audio or the uh, details, if you're watching on YouTube, um, thank you again for being on. Hopefully we can do this again in the future. And um, it's been a fantastic and informative conversation. Yeah, of course, man. No, I really appreciate it and appreciate all the listeners for listening too. Awesome. Well, this has been Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vincent, and my guest has been Brian Herney of BH Recruiting. And, uh, Again, check the notes or the uh, details for all information on him. Till then, tune it out. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We could be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for Profession Session, should DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking